to you the time now. We pray that you would help us to um, just see our part in your purpose, your plan, your work um, through the ages. Oh, Lord, we've heard already that you are the eternal God. We sang this morning that you are the uncreated one. Oh, Lord, we, we uh, are small and, and uh, Lord, we are as uh, grains of sand. And we come and pray that we would uh, see our place, our part in joining you in what you're doing and uh, again encourage us onward to live for something much greater than ourselves and we commit this morning to you now in Jesus name amen all right i'm a like you know this what was it, electronic brain i'm an electronic brain total novice but i'm trying so i got a couple of graphics uh, and, you know, some of them are probably going to be out of focus. Just give me a break. Um, maybe there'll be some yellow. I mean, I'm, I'm struggling along here, but I'm trying with this ele- electronic brain. So I'm definitely, I'm electronic brain challenged for certain. So um, <laughs> anyway, the, uh, the topic or the, the title of what we want to think about is the eternal God and a new generation. So I can speak about the eternal God, and, and I think you know who I mean. But who's this new generation? You are. You're the new generation. Right now, you are the new generation. Um, I'm getting older and older and older, and one day the Lord's going to take me home, and you're going to be here. You are the new generation. And I, I, I think it's important that you realize... Um, that the the Lord has a purpose and a plan and a work uh, that He wants to do in you and through you. He wants you to join in what He is doing. God is is the eternal God. He has a purpose and a plan, and uh, He is bringing it about. And He encourages you. He invites you to join Him. You are this new generation. Okay, and we're gonna take our text from Joshua chapter one, uh, verses one to nine. And uh, I'm going to ask Stephen, would you be able to read that for us? So turn, if you have your Bible, turn to Joshua 1, and we'll look at verses 1 to 9. It's fairly well known, I think, um, and so just follow with it, and uh, just, uh, again, be reminded of these, of these great words um, as the Lord commissions Joshua. Okay. All right, ready to go? You can stand up and face the the new generation. The, the new generation. There you go. Now it came about after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' servant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore...
Thank you. All right, let's pray. Father, we commit our time to you. We pray you would meet us once again um, with your word. We thank you that your word is living and active, powerful. Lord, it is true. It is right. And uh, again, open our hearts to speak into them, Lord, that we would come face to face, as it were, with what you want to say. And we commit that into your hands now in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so I want to think about the context of this passage. We're in the Old Testament. Every other, I, I think, everybody else is being more in the new, uh, which is good. I, I was praying about what to do, and I was going to do something from Ephesians, but eventually, and in fact, I was going to do what Matthew Weathers read the other day, Ephesians chapter 2. Um, but then, anyway, here we are in, in Joshua. And I, I want you to think about, this is the eternal God speaking to Joshua, and it is, in the context, the new generation, all right? Moses, my servant, is dead, and uh, the Lord calls out Joshua. Uh, Joshua has been involved, and he has been a servant and an aide of Moses, for sure. But here the Lord speaks directly to Joshua and calls him out to continue on what Moses had started. Now, I want you to have this concept. We have uh, ones like Mr. Nuremberg, um, and, and myself and others that, you know, definitely we're, we're not in your generation. I mean, and I, to be honest, I don't want to be in your generation. You're where you are. And, uh, I enjoyed my gener, I enjoy my generation. I wish my body was, was a little better, but, um, you are where you are because God has placed you there. Uh, God has formed you, but He has a purpose for you. Okay. And, and I want to, try to put that, come, uh, bring that across uh, a little bit this morning as we think about this. Now, let's read again verses 1 and 2. I'll read it, and I'll, then I'm going to read something just to kind of set the context here. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, that's the description, that's Moses. He is the servant of the Lord, one under authority. The Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, verse 2, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I am, give, I am going to give, uh, give to you in the, um, to the people of Israel. All right, so Moses, my servant, is dead. In one sense, he's dead, but he's alive. He's with the Lord, okay? But on earth, he's dead. Now, let me read something to you. I'm not going to read you the whole thing, but I, I like to recommend different books, and this is one that I would highly recommend, um, I recommend it to all the students, and I just want to read a few uh, sentences. Life applications from every chapter of the Bible by Campbell Morgan. So he takes one verse from every chapter and writes a, sh- a basic paragraph on it, and uh, full of helpful, interesting, and uh, um, practical application. He wrote this for missionaries and different people that were working away, far away in different lands that had no books with them or libraries, because each one of these kind of, you can pull out a sermon um, outline from it. Anyway, highly recommended. <clears throat> if you want to look at it afterwards, come see me. But I'm going to read a couple of sentences here. This is on Joshua chapter 1, verse 2. As these words are read, Moses, my servant, is dead. We are reminded of John Wesley's saying, I think we've all heard of John Wesley, God buries his workmen, but carries on his work. Think about that. 
God buries, this is what John Wesley said, God buries His workmen, those that have served Him faithfully, but He carries on His work. The purposes of God are much, much bigger than we realize. Um, I don't think we can comprehend them all um, at all, because who can comprehend the mind of the living God? But the point that I want to make is, as a new generation, you today, next week, can join God in what He's doing. You've got to have a large vision of who God is and what He's doing. Let me give you an example. Recently, we had in one of our ferns at our house a small uh, bird nest. And I was like, because I'm watering these ferns to keep them alive. Um, I can't put them down because the goats come and eat them. And so I have to keep them up and water them. Um, anyway, one morning I pulled one down and I just noticed, oh, there's this tiny little bird nest in there. And I was like, oh, that's awesome. I'm going to try to, you know, see what happens. I kept seeing the bird come. And then um, a couple of days, there was one egg. And then a couple of days, there were three eggs. I'm like, oh, this is awesome. And uh, so there it was. And I was kind of watering around the fern um, and uh, trying not to get it in the nest. But, you know, I, I'm sure some went in. Anyway. After about a few more days, a few more days, a few more days, I pulled it down. And there they were. There was one bird, uh, one little baby bird out of one egg. And like, you know, and, uh, and then the next day, the other two um, eggs hatched. And there were three of the little guys there like, ah, 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 and as if I pulled it down, as if I'm going to feed them, I think they were thinking, ah, ah, ah. And, and it reminded me of, of us. Because little birds, if you see them, they're like, oh, 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 me, 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 me. And that's how most of us are, let's be honest, with the Lord. Me, 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 me. And that's how we see our Christianity. It's all about me. Me, 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 me. Now, I'm not going to tell you what happened to those birds, but I will tell you they no longer exist. And we could use that as an illustration, but it probably wouldn't work well, so I'm not going to tell you. Bigger bird came and ate them, I guess. Uh, but anyway, just seeing those little birds, it reminded me of how we are most of the time. We're self-centered, we're proud, we're self-serving, and if we don't get a bigger understanding of Christianity and walking with God, then it's all about me. We're going to live out with our lives and our heads down. Uh, me, 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 me. I mean, enough of the generation, enough of, and it's not just your generation, all of our generations. It's all about me, 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 and me. Did I mention me? Me, 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 me. And we need to break out of that. And what I want to do this morning is is look at this passage in Joshua and think about the eternal God and a new generation. So we need to understand that the eternal God is supreme in plan and in purpose, and in power. And I'm going to shout it louder because I don't want to hear any more, and I don't want to hear it from myself. Me, 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 me. Oh, stop thinking about me, 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 me. Oh, the eternal God is supreme in plan, and in purpose, and in power. That's what comes across in this passage. Okay, so we're going to have to go a little quicker here. So just put that out there. Have that as you read verses 1 to 9. See that that as God speaks and as He caused Joshua to join Him in a sense, God is supreme in plan, in purpose, and in power. And at this point in in, in history, okay, and history's moving on, 
it was now for Joshua to take up the task of being part of God's eternal purpose. It was Joshua's time. It was Joshua's turn, as it were. Um, I remember when I got saved at 23, I, I wanted to go into missions. I didn't completely understand it, and the Lord opened the door for me to go into missions for six years, and I loved it. Um, and it was an opportunity to serve and, and, and to be part of what God is doing, God's eternal purpose. But I want you to think. Now, most of you haven't finished high school and you got a couple of years left uh, here and there. But I want you to think God's eternal purpose. What is that? That's a good question. It's way bigger than we can look at this morning, but we can at least think about it. But is it now your turn? It is now your opportunity to take up the task of being part of God's eternal purpose. God is working out a purpose. He's calling you to join Him. And it's important to have this concept um, as we go. Let me read one more sentence in um, Campbell Morgan's statement on that verse. Joshua was called... And you'll see that in a minute. I'll go through that. Equipped and appointed to carry the purposes of God a step further. I want you to think about that. A step further. Everywhere you place your foot, a step further. God is bringing things to uh, completion. And you and I have a part to play in that. I think one day when we're with the Lord, we'll look and we'll think, Oh, wow, the Lord... Wow. But then we'll also have even more of an open mouth and we'll think, wow, what the Lord was doing is incredible. Now, who's been to the Grand Canyon? Okay, a few of you. That's better than normally I get from my classes. Uh, like nobody. Who's been to the edge or down into the Grand Canyon? Some of you. Okay, a couple. Well, some of you are scared of heights. That's good. Because I, I was there and I went to the edge, kind of, uh, then most, well, all of my family at that point went down, I didn't want to go down, and then I told them, I stood on the edge, I mean, I was like, whoa, you know, I didn't really, but, um, <laughs> when you get to the ground, I've been all around the world, I, I lived a year in Norway, up in the mountain, it was incredible, you know, um, but going to the Grand Canyon, it was unbelievable. You know, I had seen pictures of it, and I've been, we've been around uh, the United States seeing different things, but, but going to the Grand Canyon, there's something about, if you've never been there, I really want to encourage you to go there, because you go there, and you're just like overwhelmed, like, it doesn't even look real, it's so massive, and uh, the feeling that I had, besides being scared of heights, when I looked out there, it wasn't so that it was so deep, because you know, but you just see this vastness of everything, you're just like... And I think that's a little smidgen of what it's going to be like when we get to see the Lord. And we, we see the Lord, but then we see all His eternal purposes. And we're like, wow, I was part of that. I can be part of that. And again, that's very important and very different to generally what happens if you don't look up and out. You'll stay I'll stay, me, 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 self-serving, uh, small in, 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 in comprehension. And the Lord is so gracious, He'll meet you in that. But He has so much more for you. 
Okay, so I want you to think about that as we go. So it was now time for Joshua to take up the task of being part of God's eternal purpose. He would take it, as Campbell Morgan says, a step further. More would come after him, and more would come after him, and more would come after him. And in the fullness of time, the Lord Jesus Christ would come in God's eternal purposes. And the Lord would would live on this earth incredibly for some 30 years, God incarnate. And then he would die. But death couldn't hold him. The grave couldn't, couldn't, couldn't keep him there. He rose from the dead and then he ascended into heaven. He is at the right hand of the Father. And life goes on. And life goes on. And generation goes by. And generation goes by. The apostles would come. And then we'll go on and on. And uh, you can look back in history and, and, and you see and, and then you would have um, a tremendous reformation. You've heard some, I'm sure, in your history studies of that. And then you would have this incredible missionary movement with William Carey and Hudson Taylor and life goes on and life goes on. I was born in 1963. You don't have to calculate it. I'm 59 years old. And life goes on. I thought 1970 was, was the new year, but now we're 2022, right? So life goes on. I remember coming to 1999 and the whole world was going to go crazy when 2000 hit and computers and life goes on. Some of you, you know, most of you weren't even born when 9-11 happened. Life goes on. And you're the new generation. That God has. If you know Him, you can take His eternal purposes. You can join Him and take them one step further. Learning, as we all have to continue to learn for some, uh, to live for something greater than yourself. Joshua was called, taking directly from Campbell Morgan. He was equipped and he was appointed to carry on the purposes of the eternal God a step further, okay? What are the, sorry about the, but just take it as like, I tried to do that on purpose. I didn't really, but anyway. Um, what are the eternal purposes of God? So let's read Ephesians 3, 10 to 11. His intent was now through the church, we heard some of that last night, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and the authorities in heavenly realms. The manifold wisdom of God should be made known. What is God doing? According to His eternal purpose that He accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. In this passage, and we're not going to cover it, we, we get a glimpse, Paul gives us a glimpse into the eternal purposes of God. But I don't think we can at all comprehend what, what the Lord is doing. So I was going to ask Mr. Nuremberg, I'm not, I already told him that I was going to do this, if he had to stand up here and say, this is God's eternal purpose, or this is God's eternal purposes, because he teaches Ephesians here. Uh, he started laughing, uh, like, ha, ha, ha. Uh, how can you capture it all? Now, he is available. If some of you think about that, and some of you want to know more on that, I want to uh, say that Mr. Nuremberg is happy to take your questions. I can't sum it up uh, completely, um, but the point is that you and I can join the Lord in what He's doing. 
Okay? And that, that's the, the picture that I want to put before you. All right. So we're going to look at this passage uh, in five steps. Okay? So I'm going to go fairly quickly. They won't take long. We have 20 minutes here. Firstly, verses 1 and 2. The call of God. God comes to Joshua. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, arise and go. The Lord tells Joshua that he is to come and do the will of God. He is to respond to what God is doing. The call of God upon Joshua. And I put a couple of uh, uh, phrases from some of these verses. The Lord spoke, or the Lord said to Joshua, verse 1, The Lord wants to speak to you. The Lord speaks. That's how He communicates. He speaks through His Word. He wants to speak to you. So sometimes, many times, you have to be quiet. Otherwise, you won't hear Him. Because when He speaks, He speaks in a quiet, still voice. Okay? If you never get quiet, that's why I like the term quiet time. It's time to be quiet. Speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. Speak, Lord. Okay. Secondly, verse 2, we could say, Now therefore arise, get up, and go over this Jordan. That's the Jordan River. I want you to go over that river, and uh, he will take the purposes of God one step further. The call of God is clearly upon Joshua. Now, I would say, absolutely, I can't say specifically what it is to you, but yes, God's call, if you know him, he's calling you to join him in where he's going. He is a good shepherd. We hear that all the time. But you know, I think you know the illustration, you know the point that shepherds in Israel, in that area, they walk ahead of the sheep, okay? They walk ahead of the sheep, and the sheep follow them. They don't drive the sheep, they walk, and the sheep follow them. Why? Because they trust the shepherd. And that's the same picture. We have to follow, learn to follow the Lord, okay? The sheep know who the shepherd is. They know. So we see this. Now, therefore, arise, go up over this Jordan River, and I'm not going to carry on with, with the details of it, but firstly, we know in God getting Joshua to join him, he calls him. And I want to say, you've been called. If you know the Lord, the Lord has called you to join him in the good works that, that he has purposed in advance for you to be involved in. Okay? We'll come to that verse at the very end. Secondly, we have to know, we have to see, and, and it comes out in the text over and over. We see the faithfulness of God, verses 3 and 4. Just as I promised to Moses, God keeps His promises. I know we hear that, but sometimes it's, it's kind of like, you know, um, water off a duck's back. It, it just doesn't stick to us, you know. we just like, I know, but do you really know the faithfulness of God? God is faithful. Now, the word faithful is first used in a picture of, of where Moses' arms are held up steady. There's a sense in which he leans upon. Faithfulness is trustworthiness. God is faithful. Just as I promised Moses, so I will be with you. I will give you this land. I promised and I will do it. Because God has a purpose and he is moving forward. And you and I can join him. You're the new generation. Thirdly, the presence of God. Verse 5. So I will be with you. I will not leave you 
I will not forsake you, the Lord says in the, in, in the verse. The very presence of God. Now, if you're going to follow the Lord, you want to make sure that you are close to the Lord. And God reveals His presence, as it were, um, in that you can know Him, you can have a relationship with Him, you can fellowship with Him, and you can be absolutely sure, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. I could tell you a lot of stories, but I don't have a lot of time about, perhaps you can think of it, have you ever felt forsaken? Have you ever felt left? The Lord says, I will not leave you and I will not forsake you. That's, that's a huge statement, the presence of God. So I will be with you. And again, the point here is that the Lord is asking Joshua to follow him and he is going to supply what is needed to do so. And he calls Joshua. He states that he will be faithful to Joshua. He expresses the fact that he will be with Joshua. Okay, um, And this is important as you think about Christianity. I, I like to get to the bottom of things. I like to, to understand, like, why, Lord? What are you doing? What do you want me to do? Who are you, Lord? And the Word of God makes that clear. Fourthly, there's such a massive emphasis in in this passage on the Word of God. Verses 6, verses 7, verses 8. When Stephen read, uh, you'll you'll see this phrase, be strong and courageous. Uh, Some versions say, be bold and courageous. But uh, be strong is repeated three times in, in the whole passage. It's repeated in verse 9 as well. And that's clearly there. You and I are to be bold and we're to be of good courage. We're to be strong in the Lord and of good courage. How? But you, you, you are strengthened and you are made of good courage as you spend time in the Word of God getting to know the God of the Word. This is a living book. God is speaking. He hasn't just spoken. He is speaking by His Spirit through this book. Now, again, I, you know, I'm not, I promise, I'm not jumping on my hobby horse here. Uh, and you might accuse me of that. And if you do, that's fine anyway. But I just want to encourage you. Have an actual Bible that you know well, that you keep with you. Let's face it, sometimes it's inconvenient to carry. It doesn't fit in your pocket. Maybe you can get a small compact Bible. But, and again, you know, I'm not saying using your phone is, is wrong or anything. So don't, don't, I'm not after that. I'm not, that's my, my point. But what happens is, um, the Word of God, I think, becomes less vital to us if it's just on our electronic device. It just becomes part of that. Let's say this. The Lord has called us to be set apart, to be different. Having a Bible, an actual Bible that you know where things are and, and, and you have some certain verses that perhaps you... This is the sword of the Spirit. And I cannot implore you more. We ask the students to use a Bible in class. They can't bring their phone. 
What what sacrifice? Isn't that such a sacrifice? I mean, it's just overwhelming that you have to carry a Bible. I mean, wow. Or, you know, what suffering for the Lord that you have to carry a Bible. <laughs> um, and yet, I want my Christian life, I don't know about you, but I want my relationship with God to be different from everything else in this world. And that's my statement. That's my... my um, Stand, if you like. I see all the time people in church and other places with their phones and they start well, let's face it, turn to the passage, but soon we're distracted, right? We're heading off to maybe we get a notification or, oh, and, and you know how when you get a text or whatever, you're like, you got to just look at it. You just have to. I mean, it's just ingrained in us now. And, and like, just things are going off everywhere. And, and then soon, like, and I see it, like, soon we're kind of checking out the uh, weather. And then we're playing a game. And then he says, let's turn to Ephesians chapter 3. And they're like, oh, yeah, back in. But when God calls you, he calls you to be fully in all the time. Because he is the eternal God. Be strong and courageous. Being careful to do everything according to the law. Meditate. Think on it day and night. Here's another graphic. Managed to figure that out. So just an encouragement to you, Mr. Newberg. You can do this. You can. Mr. Newberg's going to, I just trying to tell him that. Try to do some PowerPoints. I mean, I was like hopeless. But my son said, you can do it, Dad. I'm like, oh, man. I've had to ask him probably uh, maybe 300 questions and those continue, like, well, how do I do that? Oh, Dad, like, just, like, um, oh, yeah, yeah. Anyway, but the Word of God, I put five things up. There's more. It's eternal. When God speaks, He speaks, and it resounds through the universe. God's Word is inerrant. In other words, it's without error. I mean, you can put other words in here. I'm just using these words right now. Now, you might say, yeah, hey, I have a question. Now, I wasn't here for Mr. Uh, Garo's session yesterday, so I don't want to repeat anything maybe he might have said, but don't let that be a stumbling block. There's different versions. Uh, there's different ways of saying things. But it's without error. I, I believe that because God is in control of it. It is true. It is absolutely true. I, we live in a culture today, right? What's true? I, I have no idea uh, what's true and what's not true. But I do know that this is true. This is absolutely true. Don't you want truth? Like, tell me the truth. I hate it when people lie to me. I, I just, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's because when I was young, my parents divorced and, and uh, they didn't tell me the truth and it just nailed me. Tell me the truth. I want the truth. Please. I'll tell you the truth. Don't lie to me. Just tell me the truth. God's word is truth. Isn't that wonderful? may not always be what you want to hear, but it's the truth. Fourthly, God's word is always sufficient. You don't need anything more to walk with God. It's always enough. And it's always relevant. I think this is the biggest one that I want to press briefly. It's always relevant. It's always up to date. You know how things are getting older and you throw that away and then you wish that you never throw, you never probably had one, but an iPhone 1. Is, was there the original iPhone? Anyway, I know it's called iPhone 1, but man, worth a lot of money. 
Um, those old computer games that just like, oh, wow, a lot of money, okay? So, so but yet, uh, who wants, I don't know, what iPhone you have or whatever, but you always want the next one because it's always a little better. But God's Word is always enough. It's always relevant. It's always true. It's always sufficient. And I, I want to press um, the importance of staying in the Word of God. Knowing the Word of God. Remember what, what the Lord said to, Moses, uh, to Joshua. Meditate on it in the day and at night. Think about it. Think about what it says. Work through it in your mind. And I want to encourage you. If you do that when you're young, this new generation, it will bear much fruit. Our pastor at, at uh, Hampton Park, where actually Matthew Weathers uh, attends, he, he was telling us he, he, he teaches a high school class and, and he, you know, um, just asked the students there at one point, this is a couple of years ago, he said, like, how, how, how many hours a day or minutes or whatever do you spend in your Bible? Just be honest. So he took a survey and I, I think the average was like two minutes, maybe max. He's like, oh, Okay. And then he said, how, how long do you spend on your phone? Like, and they went through it and they said, uh, four, seven, nine hours a day. Boing! That can't be good. I mean, it just can't be good. Um, now, again, I'm not, don't, I'm not against phones and all that. But again, distractions are one of the devil's playbook perspectives. Just get you distracted. And... Uh, Ask yourself that question. How much time do you spend in the Word of God compared to entertainment and other things that feed me, 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 How much time? I'm not trying to judge you and I'm not trying to make... I mean, the challenge is there. The battle is there. Meditate on it day and night. Okay? Literally, last verse. I'm going to read this verse. The authority of God. Now, I, I want to put it this way to you. Don't be scared of the word authority. It's a good word. Whew. I'm glad the Lord's in control of my life. I don't know about you. He has authority over my life. I don't always do what He says, but He does have the authority. He paid the price. He bought me. He owns me. And you just have to, you know, if you want to follow the Lord, He's in charge. It's just, that's it. The best way, I think, one of the best illustrations, I think, is you're driving your car. Now, some of you don't drive, but, you know, if you do drive the car, someone says, comes along and says, hey, I'm driving. You're like, oh, come on. I don't like your driving, and I don't like where you're going to go, and I, it's my car, and I, oh. And the Lord gets in that seat, and you get in the passenger seat, and you go where the Lord takes you. Some of us are too proud, too arrogant, too self-assured, too confident, too scared to get out of the driving seat and let God drive. He must have authority. He must have authority over my life, and He must have authority. It's a good authority because He's a good King. He is faithful. He is kind. He is loving, but He is true. And this passage will tell us, I have not commanded you. Be strong, be courageous. The Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Have I not come on? He's telling Joshua, he's reminding Joshua, Moses, my servant, is dead. Authority speaks of authority there. Have I not commanded you, Joshua, to be strong, to be courageous? No, no, that I go with you wherever you go. 
But the Lord's already told him where to go. Application. You, again, you, just checking out all the people here. Um, You are the new generation. You are. And God has a purpose in that. God has a, has a calling upon your life. And I want you to see the high calling that it is. Ephesians 2.10 says, oh, that's at the end of that passage that Matthew read, and it's going to go through this passage. Well, it's really, but this is the concluding statement. You are, that's you if you know the Lord, His workmanship. In other words, He's not done with you, but He's working in you and on you and through you. You are His workmanship. He's, he's at work created in Christ Jesus for good works. Those good works are the eternal purposes of God. Which God prepared beforehand, even before He saved you, even before you knew who He was. You know, I told you I came to know the Lord when I was 23. When I was 16, 17 years old, a real... Anyway, um, God knew and God was preparing... What was ahead? I had no idea. But the Word of God tells me that. And if the Word of God is true, then that is true. God prepared beforehand that you and me, now he's talking to the Ephesian believers here, but that you should, here's that word again, walk in them. That you should, God is going before you. You are this new generation. And again, I want to remind you of that, that quote by John Wesley. And I, I, don't, I don't want it to sound uh, um, negative or, or um, downcast, but he says this, God buries his workmen. I want you to know that God buries them. God sees a life well lived. He says of Moses, well done, my good and faithful servant. He doesn't say that of Moses, but he, that is said and. Moses, my servant, is dead. God buries. God is very um, aware of that. But he carries on his work. Now, let me just close with this statement, and then we'll be done. God is bigger than any of us. We know that, I think. He doesn't need us. His work, his purposes will continue without us. But you're invited to join him. And one day, if you do, you'll be overwhelmed, amazed at the eternal purposes of God. And you were part of that. That's the privilege. Let's pray. Father, we commit to you just these different aspects of Joshua chapter 1. Lord, I pray for each one in here this new generation. Oh Lord, cause them to be strong and and courageous. Give them a, a love for you, a love for your word, a desire to be in step with the eternal purposes of God. Oh Lord, help them to live, want to live for something much more than themselves. And we come and we thank you this morning that you though we cannot comprehend it or have revealed your way, your purposes, and we are...
privilege to join you. You are the good shepherd. We thank you in Jesus' name.